to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for the established church leader led by established church leaders. My name is Josh King and Sam Rayner is on the line. What's up, brother? You know, I have two things in my head right now. The old Car 54 song from the old TV show, you know, Car 54, Where Are You? And then the old Carmen Sandiego song as well. I barely remember the Carmen. I have no idea. I've never even heard of Car 54. Well, some of our listeners may know. If you woke up early on Saturday Mm -hmm. mornings and I think it was on Nickelodeon or what have you, Mm. And they would show those old TV shows. I, I used to watch some of them. See, so yeah, Car 54, Where Are You? And uh, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? And basically what I'm doing is I'm asking, where is Micah? Where's Micah? Um, where in he, the world is Micah? Micah. He has an anniversary. So, he's hanging out with Tracy right now instead of talking to us. Well, that's exactly where he needs to be. Hey, I was wondering, in a few weeks, I'm going to be down in your place. I'm going to be hanging out with you. Um, so I was thinking I should bring my mic. We'll, we'll record live. You and I'll be live. And then yeah, Micah we can, could, we could definitely do that. Yeah. But let's not tell Micah cause I'm sure he doesn't remember that I've already told him I'm going down there, but we'll just like get on the video and you and I'll be sitting by each other on the we, beach we or something. Should, cause I know he's not going <laughs> to listen to this podcast. And, I know. Yeah, and, he's not. <laughs> and he's not going to hear this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with the DC talk. Let's do it. Well, in reality, even if he does, this is going to post. Probably when I'm down there. Okay. Then, yeah. So it'll work out. I, we we should we should do that. Um, and we'll just have to send all of our children away for a bit because otherwise it gets real noisy in my house. I have four kids. You have get gone, kids. You have three. Have are your three children kids. noisy? Are your because uh, 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 mine are. My children are never not noisy. Okay. Oh, good. We're, we're in good company then. So well, yes. Let me um. Let me do a, a terrible segue here and <laughs> and jump right into our sponsor, who uh, who we really do love, we do. Uh, Church Initiative. They are the creators of Divorce Care and Grief Share. And in spite of everything that's happening with the coronavirus, their initiative, Church Initiative's mission hasn't changed. They want to equip the members of your church to offer Christ-centered support groups for grieving and divorced people. And they're committed to providing you with everything you need to continue doing that in this season of social distancing and restrictions on gatherings. So, for those of you who already offer Divorce Care and Grief Share, we want you to know that they've made it possible for you to offer online groups at no additional cost so you can continue your vital Divorce Care and Grief Share ministries safely while practicing social distancing. Online workbooks, online videos, online discussions, free coaching for you or your group leaders. Church Initiative provides you everything your church needs. And if you start a new grief share or divorce care group, your church will be able to offer online groups as well. To learn more about how you can get these effective ministries started in your church, please visit churchinitiative.org slash EST. I'll say that again, churchinitiative.org slash EST. There we go. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that, Sam. We've got an interesting topic today, and I think that it's going to have a lot of significance 
in the next coming months, probably up to the next couple of years because of the transitions that's going to happen that were already in place, right, before coronavirus, but now may be exasperated because of uh, coronavirus and the effects it's having on small communities, on established churches, and that is relating to your former pastor. I think there's a – I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were kind of curious about how many gentlemen, how many pastors, long-term pastors are thinking – you know, I was a couple years away from retiring. Th- that may be a couple months now. Due to all of this change and this shifting, they may decide it's time to go ahead and go, which I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. But, you know, that's going to create a lot of vacancies and a lot of people relating to former pastors. There is going to be a grand shuffle. And I don't know that the – I mean, the coronavirus may have something to do with it, but it's more of a demographic reality. There are a lot of baby boomer pastors that are going to be retiring in the next year to five or seven years. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge wave of, you know, churches that will become available and not enough Gen Xers or millennials to take their place. So, yes, there will be a quite a significant shuffling that's going to occur in the church. I think it's demographic reality. Um, and I don't know that the church is really, the church in general is really prepared for for this reality. Yeah. And so, you're going to find yourself in a spot in which the people that you are leading for a while now, hopefully, have been led well by somebody else. And so, you're going to have to relate to them. There's situations, of course, in which you're following somebody who did not lead well. Um, interesting tidbit about me. I think our longtime listeners, we've been on long enough to say stuff like that. Our longtime listeners <laughs> yes, may know. we have. They may know that in my first pastorate, I was the sixth pastor of the church's history, right? Sixth pastor. All but one of the former pastors, including the founding pastor, lived in the community that I was pastoring. So awkward. Very different. You could run into them all the time. And you know, these generational things where people are like, well, you know, pastor so-and-so did it this way. Well, I mean, they knew that guy. They talked to him last Thursday. I mean, they're still around. Nobody died yet. We're all together. So there was a number of situations where I was leading um, in a, you know, in a different situation. Ironically though, this is even more irony. The guy I followed when he did leave the community, which was a little while into my pastorate down there, he moved to a little town in central Arkansas called Conway, Arkansas. And a few years later, I moved into town right down the street from him. Did did he think that you were just following him? I was just doing it to mess with him. That was my whole goal in life was just to mess with that guy. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it's, it is a real topic. It is a real um Burden. It, it, it's a reality that every pastor faces. Sure. You, unless you are the founding pastor, you are coming into a church that had a former pastor. What do you do? How do you relate to that pastor? How do you talk about that pastor? You know, so let's just talk like first few weeks or even leading up to going to the church. I'm of the opinion that you always call the former. Once you know that you're going to go, once you know that you're kind of in, so to speak, I you should always call the former pastor and just talk to them and just mm. say, "Hey, you know, want to get your, you know, what anything that you want to tell me. What, you know, I'm I'm going. Uh, I want to thank you for, you know, being the pastor, even um, if it was bad. 
Even if it didn't end amicably? Oh. Call him up? Absolutely. Even if it didn't, yes. Get the other side of the story. Especially if it didn't end well. Mm -hmm. You want to call the former pastor and just say, hey, um, I'm headed there. What, What can you tell me? And you don't have to take sides. You don't have to be accusatory if it was something that was negative. Just just get their perspective and you will learn something. It may be that that pastor is completely better and completely wrong, or it could be that they tell you something that is rather eye-opening that you wouldn't have known otherwise. So, mm. um, especially if it was an, uh, a, an, an unamicable, I don't know if that's a word or a negative transition, but even amicable. if it was benign and they just moved on to, they, they moved closer back home or served well and God just called them on, you still want their perspective. I say you always call. What do you say? I, th- I I don't see anything wrong with that logic. I don't know that I have always called. In fact, in the last two, I did not call the previous pastor. In this one, in this setting where I, I, I am now, I called the pastor before the pastor. And uh, the the guy that I followed wasn't here very long. Um, he was a he he was here less than two years. The guy before that was sort of a friend of a friend, and he was here for 13 or 14 years. And so, I felt like he had much more perspective on things. Um, he could speak to tons of things. The He could, I mean, he in detail told me the thought process behind the move of the buildings and personalities and who the committee, he knew everybody on the committee, you know, some of them he knew since they were children, children. So, that was helpful. And, um, uh, which which leads me to kind of ask the question, have you ever become friends with former pastors at one of your churches? Yes. Yeah. M- more friendly acquaintances because mm. uh, the pastor was three generations removed from me. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I, have, um, I have developed friendly relationships with former pastors because I reached out because I talked to them. And, and some of them reached out to me. I mean, it was – you know, there was a baton that was passing. It was a it was a courtesy. It's a respect thing. Um, just a just a friendly nod to each other. That doesn't you know. I haven't kept contact with most quote unquote former pastors because you know some, a lot of churches have two and three and four former pastors. Right. Um, so I haven't kept up with all of them, but but some of them sh- certainly. And and I just believe that it's good to show that respect no matter no matter what happened there. Just mm. to say, hey, I'm coming in, um, and just want to get your perspective. Um, I, I think that's important and I think it's good to be able to say that you talk to him. Yeah. The guy that I reached out to that I talked to that I was just talking about a minute ago, his name's Mark, Mark Dance. His predecessor also still lives in the community um, and is around a lot. He actually scheduled an appointment with me, came into the office and we chatted for a little while. Really like him. He's a really nice guy. So, I've spoken to not the my immediate predecessor, but the two before that. Yeah, and Mark and, and you I know are somebody like Mark friends. Dance. I know Mark, and you know, great guy. Moved on to go work at a Christian resource provider, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of good that's there. So um, I, I do think it's important to have those friendly relationships if you can, and especially if they live in the community. Oh man, you know that's mm-hmm. that's that can be a challenge. It's not something I would do. When, you know, once you're you know, once your tenure at a church is, you know, you need to move move on, and you know, if you can, I understand you may not be able to leave the community, but it does make it a little awkward um, if if you're still around, particularly in the church. So, the question is, what do you do? And I would say you've got to start off with like a giant dose of humility. If there's just – I'm just saying this for your own benefit. Just relax a little bit and understand a couple of things. Be prepared 
like gird up your loins because did, did you just say gird up your loins? Gird up your loins. You're going to battle, man. So is that KJV? Did you go? Did you yes. just go KJV on everybody? <laughs> yes, yes, I did, and I apologize because we all know the King James is the worst English translation we have. So the I did not. Of, for the record, listeners, I'm not the one who said that. This is Sam. Josh I did not King say that. said that. Josh King said that. Uh, so the um, what was I going to say? Oh, people are going to make the comparisons. And you've got to be like- Of course they are. Don't be so sensitive about that. And I've shared this story before about a guy I was coaching and hanging out with, you know, and he took up a church and the the people, the congregation, as they started to pass away, they, they wanted the former pastor who had been there for, I don't know, 700 years, they wanted him to do the funerals. And my boy is like, oh man, I hate that. They're disrespecting me. And I was like, do you want to do the funerals? And he says, well, no, not really. And I said, then who cares? Let the guy do the funerals. And then you just go. I said, man, I love, I do love that. I love that there's such a close relationship with the former guys that they, they still have the, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like that's good. And then they, they usually ask me to, you know, read the obituary or say a prayer or something like that. I'm happy to do that too. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think you just got to humble yourself to the point that says, there are people in this church that like him more right now. And of course they do. They have a long, multi-decade relationship with the guy. So, get over it. When you have multi-decades there, they may like you just as much. They may not, but they don't dislike you. They're yeah, just I, you know, uh, there's bro- Brother Bob is in my church and Brother Bob was the pastor here uh, at West Bradenton for 29 years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had an interim and then another pastor that came in for a good seven, eight years and then another interim and then me. So, I'm, you know, several pastors removed a couple interims and, you know, a, a long, a longer tenured pastor between me and Brother Bob. And Brother Bob is, you know, he's up in his years, but he he went away for about 10 years um, and then came back under my tenure and basically asked, he said, you know, I've I was here for 29 years. I'd like to finish my ministry here. Um, you know, I'd like to teach class. I love these people. This is home. And he was very humble, very respectful about it. I said, well, of course. Come on, man. You know, we've got a life group you can lead. He said, I'll, I'll call the people that have been away. Um, I'll get them back. And I'm like, this is good. This is solid. And so, Brother Bob and I have a wonderful relationship. He was here for 29 years. Guess who all of our elderly people want to do the funeral? Brother Bob. Brother Bob does a lot of those funerals. And you know what? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. He's always very careful to like invite me in to say, Sam, would you, you know, would you mind also saying a few words and saying a prayer or what have you? And, uh, you know, the whole of the family loves it. They've got their two pastors up there, mm-hmm. the one that they knew for literally 40 or 50 years. And then, and then me. And, and yeah, I, if I, I I hope to stay here till I'm that age too, and I, I'll probably have the same role. And it's a beautiful thing. And you just got to get over yourself if they don't ask you to do the funeral, because of course those people in their 70s and 80s, you know, they want Brother Bob to do the funeral. He was their pastor for even counting his retirement, you know, for for t- ten years leading to when he kind of came back as a life group leader. You're mm-hmm. talking almost 50 years. Of yeah. course they want him to do the funeral. And I think that's good. I think that. Um you know, so let's talk a little bit about cautions. Ah, sure. yes. These are, we're talking about the good things. It's not always good. It's not always good. And you may be sitting there going, you guys are crazy. They're not all like that. But I will say this. The situation itself is vastly improved if you frame it in a position of humility and respect and just 
Give deference and honor to the person before you. I think that that will go a long way to fixing most of the little petty things you think are such a big deal. But sometimes there are big issues that happen. So, what are some of the cautions that you well, would look out for? Well, yeah. I mean, I followed a guy once that basically basically said, peace, I'm out and just walked out and never came back. So, you know. <laughs> I, knew, I knew a guy, this is a rabbit trail, but I knew a guy once that told his church that he was going to go off to like North Carolina and he was on a vacation. And the church thought he was on a vacation and the brother never came back. <laughs> he went and preached in view of call and just never came back. Sent somebody to go clean out his office. So, good luck. Good luck following that person. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they're yeah, never letting you on vacation. <laughs> you Listen, you will often follow. There are going to be a lot of bad transitions and mm-hmm. you're going to inherit some of that mess. It's not always good. Here's what I would say. Don't speak poorly of the former pastor no matter what because if you're like me the odds are you're going to talk if you're talking poorly about a former pastor you're going to talk to the one person that actually likes them Mm -hmm. and it's not going to go well for you yeah and that does not exclude the idea of issues um or putting your foot down or drawing lines in the sand sometimes for wisdom's sake you got to say look okay I don't agree with the former pastor's vision, and I don't know that the church still holds that. So, an example is in our former church, they had a a plan at one point to build sort of a nursing home, a senior center, which was not unique at that time. I think in the late 80s, that was kind of a thing churches were It was a thing. Yeah, not, not widespread because of the expense, but a lot of churches had thought about those plans or had, mm. had have accomplished those plans. And most of those facilities have since been sold because guess what? Churches it's don't manage those calling. things well. Yeah. And, and so, we had this land and there were a few people that still had that sort of idea and they would say, well, brother so-and-so said we were going to do this one day. Well, man, that was 40 years ago. We're not doing that. And there's there's many reasons why, but you don't have to speak ill. You don't be like, well, brother so-and-so is a moron. You don't have to say that. You just say, well, look, visions change, times change, and that's just not something we're going to get into. So, I'm saying you can speak against methodologies you can, in respectful ways, um, but don't throw darts at the previous guy. Here's another caution that I would have. If you do talk to the previous guy and you're, you're hanging out with them, Watch the way that they speak of people because, and this is true, even like in inherited staff or just people that you're around, you got to be very careful when you're going into these pastoral relationships and somebody poisons the well. Don't let Mm -hmm. people poison the well. Now, they could be, and this is always true, they could be exactly right. They could be honest that that one deacon or that one lady is just a snake, you know, those sort of things. But you've got to let that person paint their own. You got to have a relationship with that person yourself. Um, you know, it could be, it could have been personality related. It could have been situationally related. It could have been just a time in their life where they were going through things and they and the pastor had a conflict. And so that pastor never got over it. They never got over it, something like that. And to you, they may be one of the best people you've ever met. So I just, it happens a lot, and I will say this, just because his name's already been brought up, Mark Dance absolutely does not do that. He is so careful 
the way he speaks of people. Um, if you listen to him, every person in this church is a saint. You know, he just loves these people, which is great. That's kind of what you want. But I have yeah, been in that, that is before. that's a that's a good follow, right? Right. When when the pastor, the former pastor, has that posture, you're you're likely inheriting a good a good situation, more good than bad. I'll say that. Sure, but it, you know, so what do you do in that situation? Let's say you sit down with the former person, and they're like, "Oh man, you got to watch out for so and so." What I do is just file it. Don't let it become motivation, but file it. So maybe you should be a little slower in that relationship. I think there's wisdom in that. Be a little slower, as, but don't cut off the relationship and surely don't bring stuff up like that. Absolutely not. I have found that sometimes, you know, when, I, when, I've, been t- when I've been quote unquote warned about certain families or certain people, uh, what I found is, you know what? You're right. You didn't get along with that person. Mm-hmm. And there was some bad blood that was there. And maybe the person was partly to blame, but I actually get along okay with them or I'm able to manage them and it just works a little better. Mm-hmm. So, if you go into any relationship with a negative posture, guess what's going to happen? If you go in with negative expectations, a lot of times that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, yeah. So, if somebody does mention something negative, I like your advice. File it away. Be a little more cautious. But assume, go in assuming, you know what, this this will work. Maybe this other person, they just didn't get along and I'm, I'm going to get along just fine. Yeah. Um, so, I would, I would always be more optimistic even, you know, even if you get warnings. Now, if somebody gives you a warning like, yeah, they're stealing from the church or, you know, there's something like that, <laughs> then you just got to take track. action. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of times these are personality conflicts and, you know, personality conflicts can be resolved. Yeah, and they really and they can be neutralized. So I've I've been in a number of situations where somebody will say, "Well, don't trust them," and then I file it away. A couple months later, you hear the story, and it was the wives or the spouses or the children got into a conflict, and that just got the whole family all riled up towards one another. Well, I don't even have a kid that age, you know, and it's like we're just not in danger of crossing those particular lines, and so. You just don't let don't let um, former personalities or you know inherited staff or inherited leadership poison the well. You got to be careful about that. I think that's one major danger. Yeah, and the other thing to do is publicly when you have the opportunity, champion the things that were done in the past that speak well of former leaders. Mm. Um, you know, especially early in your tenure. You know, you become what you celebrate. And so, if there's things in the past from former pastors that you want to carry forth, man, that is a good opportunity for you to say, man, that was good. I want that to continue. My predecessor took us multi-site for a season. Um, And, you know, I feel like given our parking situation here at our church, that that's still something we need to do in the future. We have two sites now and hopefully hopefully do more. Um, But, you, you know, Alan, my predecessor, took the church there first and that it, that site ended up becoming its own autonomous church and that was wonderful so you ended up planting it but at the same time that was built into the culture and so it was easier for me to say hey guys you know we've we've been through this before and I, th- I think what happened in the past was a good thing I want something like that to happen again you can champion those things that um, that were positive and mm. that will help you more than it will hurt you another thing and this is related is not only don't let former personalities or inherited personalities poison the well towards people, also don't let their personalities, their limitations, their skill set dictate the mission and the method that you're going to employ. There's been times where 
I've spoken to previous um, people and they say, look, you're never going to get that church to do X, Y, Z. They're never going to let you paint that lobby. They're never going to let you do this or do that. And then I start going down that track and I find out, man, they're fully embracing this thing. But turns out person I followed was just a poor communicator or a poor team builder or was honestly trying to do something crazy. Like, you know, it, there's a big difference and they're never going to let you landscape the front of the place. Well, I tried and they did. Turns out you wanted to build a $200,000 40-foot cross out there and they didn't let you do that. There's a big difference in what you were trying to do and what I was trying to do. So sometimes I hear people say, well, I talked to the former guy and they said, you know, that person says they're never going to let us go multi-site or change this ministry or or kill Awana or something like that. And it turns out they do. You just got to approach it in your own style. Well, and especially if something was a year or two, five years ago, people tend to forget. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go into anything assuming nothing that this is a sacred cow. This can't change. I mean, it may be, but a lot of times, you know, the issue that was five years ago is com- it's completely forgotten, mm-hmm. and you can just roll right into something, and nobody knew the difference. Right. So, um, I, yeah, d- communicate with the former pastor, of course, but you do have to take things w- with you know the idea that hey, it's an, it's a new season, and people. People change. Sometimes you just coming in as the new pastor is change enough for people to go, yeah, okay, I guess, you know, I remember somebody said this five years ago and I guess we should do it now. And and you just don't encounter the same kind of resistance that the previous pastor did because they laid the groundwork. They planted those seeds. They may have broke that ice up. I mean, yeah, maybe the people were against it, but because the previous administration sort of kind of plowed through it and got the idea out there and those sort of stuff, then you're able to do those things. I just think... My caution here is I've heard several times in different settings where either an outgoing pastor desires this or an ingoing pastor, I think naively, is communicating that this is the plan. You know, I'm going to get there. We're going to meet every Thursday for coffee. We're going to go over the budget. We're going to go over administrative details. We're going to go over the mission. I'm going to run my plans through that guy. Well, you to some level, churches need new leadership and I'm not saying. Yeah, I wouldn't do details. I would. I would actually caution anybody about digging into that level of depth Mm -hmm. because whoever it was has transitioned out. You are transitioning in, right? And it is a new era. It is a new season. And I think you could almost trap yourself into previous ideas if you start. I mean, if you're digging into line items of the budget with the previous pastor, that had better be something like, hey, we are concerned that there's like accounting fraud. I mean, you you know, you don't you just don't need to be doing that. Um, You need to get their high level perspective. Um, I wouldn't want to taint my ideas and my vision with, you know, the, the, the details of a person who has left. Right. So. Uh, you know, there's wisdom in talking and contacting and, you know, championing them as best you can. But then there's also wisdom in, yeah, I wouldn't be pulling out the budget. I just, I wouldn't go to that level personally. So, my, so what is my, um, I don't know, my prerogative? Why would I want to have a relationship with Mark? Well, one, Mark's a great guy. So, it's fun to have a relationship with Mark. Secondly, I just want to be able to, the best resource for past You know, what I'm mainly looking for when I'm going to call Mark is what was the thinking at that time 
Or yes. how did the relationships go at that time? That's all I'm wondering at that point. Because sometimes you, there are things, there's like, a, for lack of a better word, relics that don't make sense to you. You're looking at like, why did the church design this hall to just end here? I don't get it. The, you know, the road is over there or something like that. I'm just making this up as I go. Well, then you, you call the former person and they're like, yeah, we had a plan. Hey, go look in such and such closet. There's a whole master plan that says that there's another building that's going to be right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Why didn't y'all build that? Because X, Y, Z. Or at the time we had that house. So we were going to bulldoze. Oh, all of this is starting to make sense. They're just a very valuable resource for that sort of stuff. I've even heard things like, well, so like the committee was against such and such at the time. Well, I'll call a previous minister and ask him. And they're like, it wasn't the committee. It was that one person. And that one person's no longer at that church. And so go ahead and bring it back to the committee. You know, so the, at the time information is what is so valuable that they can give you that nobody else can. Yeah. And um, you obviously want to be very selective with that kind of communication unless you just have a very good relationship with the former pastor. I mean, if you're friends, then, you know, you can communicate more regularly. But I would kind of save, um, you know, I'm thinking once a year, you know, kind of conversation. It, it, these aren't conversations that are happening often no. with the former administration, but they, it's okay for them to occur. But if you're calling once a month to get advice, you're not really leading the church. You're kind of letting that former pastor lead the church. You're a glove. You're a puppet. Yeah. So, there's there's some distance that needs to be there while at the same time, uh, a pathway of communication. So, it's a, it's a balance. I would say it's a balance. And it sounds like you've managed to do that well at second. And, you know, what you've got, Mark's a great guy. So, you know, you know you're going to get good stuff from him. Mm -hmm. um, that's not always the case with every, with every pastor. But, you know, having those um, when big things come up and you need that insight, there's nothing wrong with picking up the phone and just saying exactly what you said. At the time you were doing this, what what was happening? Tell me what was mm -hmm. happening. And, and that's, there's almost always some nugget in whatever they tell you. Right. Because we all know the pastor sees all the stuff. We hear all the things. And there's factors that just the regular committee member or the average attender is not privy to. And the pastor is. So, if you can get a hold of that information, it's great. But I'm with you, dude. Most of Mark's and my communication is Cowboys related or something on Twitter. It's just goofing off, texting, that sort of stuff. But then, man, I've been here a year and a half. There's been two times I've said, hey, what were y'all thinking at this point? Or how did that go? And he, oh, man, here's da 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 And he just explains it all. And the funny thing about him is, you know, my memory's bad on stuff like this, but I think it was something along these lines. So it's not even like he's <laughs> going to dish on something, me. you know, so <laughs> I think it's great. But yeah, uh, former minister relationships are awesome, but be careful with them. So any any closing thoughts there, Samuel Rayner? Just always show respect. Don't demean. It's not going to help you. Um, public statements that are negative are never good about former administrations. Uh, only in the rarest of cases should you make them. And typically that's when like a crime has been committed when you would want to come out and say something. Mm. So, I would just caution anybody about negativity. Uh, lead from a posture of optimism, lead from a posture of inspiration and not from a place of negativity. If you are blaming the former administration for your current problems, you're not leading. 
you're you're just a complainer and you're just a whiner and mm. whiners don't ever take anyone there. So stop stop complaining about the former pastor too cuz it's not going to do you any good. So you're saying blaming the former administration for your problems is not a good idea. Yeah. Just, and the reason that, I say that is because haven't you heard peers do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was just I've heard other leadership do that in all sorts of realms blaming former administrations for their problems but yeah that's it topic. is it is it is a common problem and that's on them yeah um, and i think you can do that for maybe one year but after that man it's you that's your problem. it's all on you yeah yep well that's all the time we have for today thank you so much for listening to est make sure that you rate review and subscribe and make sure you're grabbing uh twitter and communicate back with us at est church we love you We'll check you out next week. Wouldn't it be great to offer a powerful outreach program that lets you care for your congregation and your community? Hi, I'm Tom Rayner. I'm here to tell you that you can make this easier than you think. Let me tell you about divorce care. Pastors love divorce care that is Christ-centered, biblically-based, and comes with a ton of support. You need just one volunteer to start to start it, and Divorce Care provides free ministry coaching to help you launch and run the program. It's a 13-week video-based small group with all the materials and tools provided, so it's incredibly easy for your lay people to lead. Visit divorcecare.org forward slash EST to learn how easy it is to get this ministry started at your church, or you can look in show notes and get the link here as well. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.